Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday and welcome to HR Work Break. Today, I'm joined by Jerry Hawthorne, Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Aflac US. Jerry, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Recently, Aflac did a study on burnout in the workplace, and this is a topic that's at the forefront of many HR leaders' minds. So what are the warning signs of burnout and what can leaders do to help relieve this type of employee stress? It's interesting, um, especially sitting in my role, because we have a research department that does this work, but we also have uh, almost 6,000 employees in the U.S. organization that I'm responsible for. And so it's something that is absolutely top of mind for me. From the research that we've done, what I would say is that warning signs can vary quite a bit. They're very individualized, but there are some common themes that employers should be aware of. You know, the most common one is things like performance. It tends to decline among people who are feeling fatigued or starting to burn out. So if there's an employee who has been a stellar performer and there's a decline, that's a good indication. Absenteeism, turnover, those things may increase. And even just behaviors, meaning that in my world, we manage employee relations issues. Some of those are positive. Some of those are less positive. But, you know, oftentimes when people are feeling tired and fatigued, they become more cynical. Their tempers become a little shorter. They may be more skeptical about their employer or colleagues. So if you see an increase in employee relations issues, that could actually be an indication that people are starting to feel burned out. And I think the biggest actions that leaders can take are really, in all honesty, just to pay attention, listen to team members. Again, has their behavior changed? Are they more quiet than usual? Are they late? Are they missing deadlines? Is there something that's just not typical of what you've experienced or seen in the past? And then talk with employees, ask questions, make them feel heard and cared for. Don't be afraid to ask them how they're doing. Ask them what they would change to make the environment or their work-life balance better. And then listen, you know, it's funny because I've been in HR for about too many years to even that I really don't want to highlight. But what I would say is that, you know, years and years ago, we really guided leaders not to ask personal questions because it was the, this is work and that is life. But the intersection has become so just narrow that it's an important factor for managers to do. So ask listen, and then share resources. Most organizations have a variety of resources available, but employees may not know what those are or where they are. So point people to those resources. You know, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to help people. It's okay to listen. Managers though are typically equipped to be counselors and therapists. So knowing where those resources are and being able to point people to those is hugely important. Right, definitely. I was reading an article and it said that while more and more employers are providing those sort of mental health services, 67% of employees with mental illness still struggle to find these sources. So do you have any advice for how to spread awareness within companies or just like help employees know where to find resources and that they're available in the first place? 
Yeah, it's an active approach. I mean, so I think it's not just putting them on a pretty website and, you know, hoping that people will click the link and then make the phone call. It's really about having wellness fairs. It's about having wellness educational sessions. At AFLAC, one of the things our benefits team does is they actually really focus on almost being what we call navigators. So helping employees to navigate through the variety of services that we have. We have a lot and our benefits team, they're steeped in these in these benefits and offerings. And so they almost have to become marketers of these services, which is a little bit different, right? Because benefit people, they're great at picking programs and identifying them, but they're not necessarily great at communicating with them. And so what we've tried to do is to think internally about our benefit offerings as how can we package them and brand them and position them in a way that employees are more curious and then to put them in places where our employees will see them. And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, hanging a poster on the bathroom wall, though we do that. But what I mean is really getting out there when leaders are having meetings with their employees, when they're having town halls and actively sharing what's new, what's different, what's available and also playing to what's happening in the external environment. So we had talked about September being National Suicide Prevention Month. October is Domestic Violence Month. Using those sorts of, I guess, categories or just focuses externally to try to drive employees to the services internally is a pretty good way to help employees connect the dots between work life and the offerings. Right. And I feel like that goes back to what we had talked about just in the last question with how work life balance and like you have your work persona and your personal persona, like it's become blended, especially with remote work and everything that's come out of the pandemic. And having that honest, straightforward communication from leadership can make a world of difference. A lot of the times, like if it's a top down initiative, like you said, at your town halls, it'll help reach every level of the organization. That's right. But it's one of those, you know, I'm a, um, a big believer. You tell them, you tell them what you told them, and then you tell them again. I really think when it comes to sharing the resources, it's got to be a constant drip feed. It can't be a once a year at open enrollment or twice a year, or I think using those months as a, a springboard for topical conversations is a good way to do it. But I also think it really needs to be active and it needs to be ongoing. Exactly, because it's too easy to be out of sight, out of mind. That's right. Speaking of those like remembrance months and awareness months, like September is National Suicide Prevention Month, and then October's uh, National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So, what else can leaders do to kind of help improve the mental well-being of their workers beyond just these awareness months and reminding them of the resources? I think it's, you know, when you take it down to the individual level, a frontline leader has the biggest impact on an employee's experience. So the company can have all of these amazing things, but really it's the frontline leader who creates what they experience on a day-to-day basis. And so I think it's really about creating an environment where employees feel like they are heard. They feel like they can raise issues. They feel like they're supported it's creating a safe space. And that sounds a little soft, I think, or may to some business leaders, but you know, at the end of the day, everybody's human. And when people don't feel their best, they don't work as hard. They just don't. And so it's really incumbent upon frontline leaders to be able to create that environment where employees can feel safe and can feel heard and can feel like they have the ability to access resources. 
And that brings me perfectly to my next question. Do you think that there's a gap between employers and employees' perceptions of burnout in the workplace, especially when you're looking at a gap between a leader who doesn't interact with everyone on a day-to-day basis? I do, and it's interesting. In our 2022-2023 Workforces Report, about 59% of American workers state that they currently face moderate levels of burnout, and that's bigger than it was a year or so ago by about 7%. But companies are no more likely this year than they were last year. So about 45% of companies view burnout as a problem, but yet 59% of their employees are saying it is. So that's a pretty big disconnect when you think about kind of the outputs and the experience that employees are having. I'm not sure why I think that is. It could simply be that companies are focused on output and performance and publicly traded companies on the value of their share. And if those things are happening you know, at, at sort of the mass level, it becomes the, well, we're doing really well financially. We're hitting our sales goals. Our service levels are good. So it's able to kind of maybe mask or hide some of the issues that employees are, are facing. A key indicator I mentioned at the beginning of burnout is turnover. And, you know, when people aren't feeling their best, they leave organizations often, but burnout isn't the only reason that people leave companies, right? So even if turnover is higher, there are other factors that could be driving that. People leave for better career opportunities. They leave for better pay. They leave because they move. So there are a lot of reasons why people leave companies. So even if companies have seen a recent increase in turnover, well, there was the great resignation it could be masking some of these other things. So that's sort of why I think that there's a bit of a disconnect. Definitely. Yeah. I also found a statistic that burned out employees are 2.6 times more likely to actively seek out a different job. Retention is obviously a good reason to prevent burnout early as is employee happiness. But why else should leaders be invested in recognizing and stopping burnout? Well, I mentioned it just a a minute ago where I said that if people aren't feeling their best, they're not going to work hardest. So there's definitely a direct correlation between burnout and engagement. There's definitely a correlation between engagement and employee willingness to go above and beyond for the customer. And the customer can be an external customer. It can also be the person sitting beside them. So if people aren't feeling well from an overall wellness perspective and they're feeling less engaged, their performance will decline. And if performance declines, that actually can have an impact on company performance. It's good business to have employees who are feeling well. You know, how's a call center representative, as an example, supposed to go above and beyond if they're dealing with a customer who's filing a very complex claim, if they feel disengaged or if they feel like their manager doesn't care about them or they have these personal issues and there are no resources that the company is offering to support them, they won't. They'll usually treat the customer like they're feeling. And if that's negative, even if it's not their intention, that could be the tone that they put out. You know, the other thing is that companies need to be thoughtful about their employment brand in the marketplace. So a year ago or, you know, two years ago, everybody talked about quiet quitting where employees would just sort of stop working but they wouldn't leave. They would just kind of do the minimal amount to skate by. And now there's this new kind of phrase out there that's called loud quitting, where employees will do things like they'll stay and they'll go to social media and complain about their employer, or they'll quit and go to social media and complain about their prior employer. And they're kind of putting them on blast and highlighting all the things that the employer could have said or done differently for that employee. 
And so there are definitely business benefits to ensuring that employees feel well, feel heard, feel supported, and feel engaged. Definitely. What we had talked about earlier about how there were two separate selves and now it's more blended in the workplace. With that sort of blend, we've seen just like an increased effort to support mental health and burnout's another one of those terms that's just kind of like gained more traction over the past couple of years as it's become more of an issue in the workplace. What other things do you see potentially changing the mental health space or being a future issue for both employees and employers? Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, I think the external uh, environment is a pretty significant factor in how employees are feeling. And so what I mean by that is you've got inflation that is significantly on the rise. Every time you turn on the news, it's, you know, it's very rare that it's positive. The world has become polarized and media is sort of following that polarization. And so I think that that is something that impacts employee well-being. And it's something that companies need to be mindful of. Again, it goes back to that intersection. It's all connected now. And so what's happening externally, it's having impacts on employees, you know, sort of internal. When I say internal, I mean when they're working, whether that be on-site or off-site, but when they're working as well. And I think another thing that companies need to be mindful of is the perception around technology. And, you know, there's such a focus right now on chat GPT and in generative AI and what that will do to the job market. And I was just at a conference earlier this week where they were talking about this. And there's a lot of concern from employees about, will this take my job away? What will happen over time? And honestly, you know, my perspective is based on the research that I've done is that Generative AI will basically become an enhancement to employees. It will become another tool in their arsenal and will hopefully make it so that employees are able to focus on the higher valued work rather than the lower valued work. But it is if you're a frontline employee and you're getting bombarded with all of these, you know, kind of negative stories that are out there and your paycheck isn't going as far as it used to go, fuel's more expensive. Your company let you work from home two years ago, and now they're asking you to come into the office a few days a week. All of these things can have a negative impact on how employees are feeling. Yeah. And just speaking toward like ChatGPT, like when it started to gain traction, like my coworkers and I, my boss and I, we had lots of conversations about like where the line is to make sure we felt safe using it as a tool and we weren't afraid of it like replacing us. For me, at least, it's reached a point where, like, I'm not very good at thinking of titles for podcast episodes sometimes. So I'll write the summary and then I'll have a quick way to be like, okay, thank you for boiling down my long winded thoughts. <laughs> yes, that's funny that you say that because, in some ways, what I've learned about ChatGPT, and, and I certainly don't claim to be an expert, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but it's not as smart yet as I think the masses believe it to be. And it also, it's a little bit of garbage in, garbage out. So what I mean by that is that you can ask it for very factual things and it will source, you know, a lot of data in a really quick way of time to get you a fact. If you ask it for opinions, it, it can become a little bit of a self-reinforcing vacuum. So if you ask it, who's the best candidate for president for the next election, well, probably based on your search history and other questions you've asked, you'll get a response that reinforces potentially how you're thinking, right? And so it becomes as, as important about asking good questions to the tool as it does about what it's telling you. So it kind of, it puts a lot of responsibility on the person who's sort of typing in the search, unless it's literally asking 
what's the distance between here and my office? And then it's going to give you something very factual. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like a topic in in like a lot of AI ethic debates, like just how do you make sure it's not biased or how do you use it in a way that prevents further biases? That's right. It's very fascinating. And like I said, I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg on it. But I do believe that it will be a little bit like the internet in that people will become educated around it. Companies will have good governance and ethical standards around it. That's what Aflac is doing already and has been doing. You know, we're treating it like a data issue. We have to protect data and protect the data of our customers and our employees. And that's how we really think about it. But otherwise, I think it can be a great tool when deployed in the right way. Definitely. And bringing it back to Aflac's survey, were there any other statistics or data that you received from it that was surprising or you think that is like important to share? You know, I think probably one of the biggest ones is that, uh, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I apologize, but it's financial wellness. When we talk about burnout and we talk about employee wellness, everybody sort of thinks about the social, physical, and emotional parts of that. And one of the things that our survey found was that many Americans don't have the financial means to cover a $1,000 health issue, right? So if you had to go to the emergency room and you have to pay a $1,000 copay out of pocket or you know deductible out of pocket if you're on a high deductible health plan, most Americans can't do that. And so one of the things that came out of our survey was really the emphasis and need for companies to focus on educating their employees about financial wellness and planning for the unexpected. So that financial wellness came out as a massive area. And like I say, it's one that companies should really be focusing on, in particular with levels of inflation and the cost of goods and services where they are today. Definitely, because like burnout at its core is caused by stress oftentimes. And financial stress is a type of stress that permeates every single aspect of your life. That's exactly right. Since work break airs on Fridays, my favorite way to end this conversation is to ask what you're looking forward to this weekend. Ah, so, well, my husband and I moved to the Southeast to Georgia a few years ago and have a daughter who goes to UGA, you know, so we are now in SEC football land, which has been new and fun for us. And Georgia is playing Auburn this weekend, and that's about 45 minutes from where we live. So I'm looking forward to watching that. I am a huge fan of Georgia. Go dogs! And I'm also looking forward to spending time with my husband. I'm one of those people who, when I'm working, I'm kind of all in on it. So when I have downtime, you know, my weekends are almost like mini vacations. So it's a, it's a little bit of a, of a football weekend and just relaxing. Oh, that's awesome. I, I also went to an SEC school. Oh, where'd you go? University of South Carolina. We were really bad at football when I was there. So the Bulldogs trounced us thoroughly my freshman year. I like distinctly remember. Yeah, they're getting better. We have a big office in Columbia. So we actually work with Don Staley, the women's basketball coach there. Oh, she's great. Yeah, their basketball program in particular, their women's basketball program. Holy cow, it's amazing. Yeah, oh my God. My senior year, that was the year that the women's team won and I think the men's got second. Yeah. We were a basketball school that year and we really should be all year because the women's program is so good, but it's, it's such a fun energy, those like big Southern schools. It really is. It's something that we've never experienced. So it's just, I, I, um, I'm just kind of taking it all in. Yeah. I hope you have so much fun with it, especially your daughter. Cause like being there in the school too, it's just such a vibrant environment. That's right. It creates a whole kind of level of awareness, commitment, whatever you want to say to the school and the, and the sports program in particular. So it's fun. 
Yeah. Well, I hope Georgia wins this weekend. I hope they beat Auburn. And I hope you have a perfect balance between getting hype over the football game and also getting time to unwind and get ready for the next week. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And thank you for joining me today for this conversation, Jerry. Not a problem. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.